cancer, real and raw. From Help Harry, Help Others. Welcome to our next podcast. Uh, My name's Georgie Mosley and I'm the founder of Help Harry, Help Others Cancer Charity, a charity that was built through personal experience of cancer and has been designed really to fill all the missing gaps that we saw firsthand. Uh, We offer a home from home environment at our drop-in cancer support centre and we're here to support patients, relatives, carers, work colleagues, friends, because everybody gets affected by cancer. And we help with all the stuff that impacts on somebody's life that's outside of treatment. And I'm Tracy, and I'm one of the counsellors here at Help Harry Help Others. You'll hear in this next podcast, I'm having a very candid discussion with three gentlemen who have all experienced cancer. And we're thinking about what it's like living with the time bomb that cancer is, of not knowing if it will go off again and if it will, when it will go off, and living with all the uncertainty around that. But these guys are very honest and open and talk about their fear and their guilt and their worries, just like you would imagine anyone might have. But they're very honest and it's very real and raw, and this is their experience of cancer. I am here with three gentlemen who have all had the experience of being told that they've had cancer. So, guys, thank you for this today. And what I'd really like to talk <coughs> with you about and just find out what it's been like for you is that whole thing of living with a time bomb. So cancer being that time bomb that you don't know quite when it's going to go off if it will go off, what will happen when it goes off, what that will look like. And I would just love to know what your experience of that has been. You could never have experience, but we've got no answers. <laughs> <laughs> We're still living with the time, Bobby. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's it like? It doesn't go away either. Yeah. I suppose you get used to it after a bit. I, I started with lung cancer three years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and they started off by saying they couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then I got this... Oncologist and he says, I can cure this. And one of them blows it in, perhaps he can. And um, I've had a hell of a lot of treatment. Yeah. No operations, but 40 odd chemotherapies. I've even had my brain done, which I'm surprised I've got one. <laughs> um, but you get used to it. At first, when every ache and pain you get, you think, it's this, it's cancer, it's going to come. And I still think now it's coming back. Only last week we were talking about it. I got to sleep. I might go to sleep today, I can go to sleep just like that. Eight years you ready, you still go to sleep. Yeah. The tigers don't go. It's a chemo, the tiger, it stays yeah. in the body for years. So I wonder, part of living with having had a cancer diagnosis is, I'm just wondering if you guys ever experience any fear around that and fear for future, what that might be? Did at first, when I was first diagnosed. When I was first waiting for the first surgery, I wrote my will out the lot. And I, I remember going into the operating room thinking, I'm not going to come out of this. Mm. But I did. And oh, that was eight years ago. So as the years have gone on, the fear has got less. Mm. But every time I get an ache, a pain, a lump, <laughs> you do think, hmm. Yeah. But I'm not scared of it now. I fought it once. I think I was more scared the first time for the fact 
cancer was uh, something I, I didn't think I'd ever get. Yeah. And when I got it, I was. I was terrified. Yeah. But over the years, I'm not so terrified. If it comes back, it comes back. Yeah. Because I can't live the rest of my life worrying about it coming back. Because it's, I'm still feeling that it's still getting me then. Right. From the from the right. first one, he's still got a hold of me. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I worry about it, but I don't fear it. If it comes back, it comes back. Yeah. And if they can cure it, they can cure it. Okay. If not. <laughs> so it sounds like you've got quite a pragmatic approach to this time bomb. Yeah. Uh, that if it, it comes back, you'll deal. I'll do. Deal, deal with it. Because. You can't spend years and years hiding. I look at it cancer like a bully. Mm -hmm. And I don't never hit from bullies in my life. Right. So, as far as I'm concerned, until he comes back, I'm, I try and blank it out. Mm. It might come back, it might not come back. But if he comes back, he comes back. Yeah. But that, um, as you say, is down the line from me. I've been eight years clear. Yeah, when it was the beginning of it. The beginning of it, it yes, I was in fear. I mean, stage three bloody cancer and stage two prostate cancer. I thought, you know, stands very good. I looked at all the percentages you got, whether you're going to live or not. And I looked at the operation on YouTube. Oh, you better not do that. Oh, I did. I started searching <coughs> before they started cutting me open. But. Two, two major operations later now, and I've got another operation here and another operation there to come. It, it, cancer's a gift that doesn't stop giving, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's right. It's there all the time giving you something, yeah. Yeah, a, doesn't stop. But the only way to look at it now, for me, is jovialism, mm. not with fear. That's your approach, is yeah. to deal with Otherwise, it. Otherwise, like I say, I'd wake up every morning. I mean, when I first had it, I had to wake up every morning, five o'clock, go downstairs and cry. Before <coughs> anybody <coughs> else got up, they want everybody else got up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd all joke that. about having cancer then round the table, you know, but I'm not going back to that. Yeah. I've done my period of doing all that. And I'm not going to let it take me there again, Yeah. basically. Mm. No, no. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yes. I've never, I've never been quite that bad. I can remember lying in hospital at one stage, thinking it's only bloody worth it, you know. If if I if I don't work a bit more, it don't matter. Mm. But it did matter because I'm enjoying myself again. Yes. One of the things I've heard recently is my oncologist rings me up and he could talk to us like I know him, he knows me. Yeah. And. Um, I said to him, I said, so, is this likely to come back at any stage? And, and the tone of his attitude, of his answer was, oh, yes, it'll come back at some stage. Oh, wow. <laughs> he says, but the chance, he says, you've got to hope you'll die with it rather than from it. And I thought, afterwards, I thought, I wish I hadn't have asked him. Wow. <laughs> but I've got used to it now. I said, you can't do anything about it, can you? It's going to get you, it's going to get you. I'd rather, rather the doctors talk like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you hear when you you hear people down doing, saying to people who've got it, oh you'll be all right. <laughs> the chemo's not that bad. I sit there going, 
can't I say, tell him. I must admit, <laughs> I want to throttle these people. The people are saying, oh, you'll be all right. Yeah. They ain't got a clue, they don't know. The chemo's not that bad, you'll be all right. Radio therapy, yeah, that's all. Personally, if I meet people who they have to go through, I'd tell them. When they say, oh, I'm going to have chemotherapy, I'll face on them. Yeah. And I tell them. I don't say, oh, it's easy. Because that's another shock for them when they have it and they're lying there like, going, what the hell have they done to me? So you're about just being honest and real yeah. about what it's like. Yeah, because I like I like people being honest and real with me. Yeah. You know, no messing about. If I ended up a terminal, I'd want a good, honest answer straight away. Mm -hmm. Not mess, no messing and talking around it. I'd want to say, well, you're terminal. Yeah. And none of these twelve to six months tell the truth because most people go <laughs> a lot quicker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to get my bucket list done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, pass the hat over to you, yeah. you're not doing enough talking. Do you have I haven't got long enough. I've got long enough. Do you have any fear? Yeah, yeah. More, more so, I mean, it was inevitable when my dad passed with cancer. So right. I, I, I took it, it was going to happen. Yeah. yeah to, um, my dad's, a lot of my dad's family passed with cancer as well, so I just thought it was going to happen. And so, when I was diagnosed with the tumour, the tumour thing was scared me more than the prostate. The prostate was the, the after, I was thinking, what else? Yeah. What else could I get, you know? Brain injury from a car crash, brain tumour, and then prostate, you're thinking, what's next? Mm. You know? So, but the brain tumour is a scary one. It is. Yeah. yeah, when you get told it's a simple operation, well, why wait for it to get cancerous and extreme? Why not whip it out? Because that's the way they they were telling me it's simple. Okay, fine, whip it out, and then they turn around and say, can't really do that really because to get to your tumour, we'd have to cut through good brain tissue, which means you're going to be disabled. No guarantees they'll get it out, and it will grow back and kill you. So you're thinking, what's the point of going through the removal then? Wow. Why go through debulking de or removal? What yeah. was it like hearing that? It's a death sentence. Yeah, it's bad enough being told that you've got a tumour. Well, I was actually told I'd got an abnormality uh, initially. Right. And after several other scans, they said, oh, yeah, it's, it's a tumour, but yeah, we'll just sit and wait and see what it does. Okay. Anxiety issues kick in big time. Mm -hmm. But then to be told that well, we've got to drill a hole in the back of your head. I'm thinking, I've got this impression of somebody with uh, workman's overalls with a black and decker going, yeah, we'll have a bit of that, drilling in the back of my head. And I'm going to end up being disabled afterwards and it's going to kill me anyway. Well, what's the point of going through all that rigmarole? Yeah. But the, the prostate, being diagnosed with a prostate cancer afterwards, it's like, what else? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, it's getting the living daylights out of it, but... You're sitting there thinking to yourself, how would you deal with that? <laughs> you got no option. Yeah. You got it, that's it, you just got out of your helmet. <laughs> You've got to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's bad enough <coughs> where you guys are, um, have got um, close relatives and friends and support mm -hmm. around you, yeah. mm -hmm. but to do it on your own, Yeah. Um, 
fortunate enough, I'm lucky enough to be introduced to Harry's and a few of the support groups with brain tumor support and uh, uh, prostate cancer support, you know, but um, I've been lucky enough to be able to speak to people in similar issues. Um, but the thought of having the brain tumor removed and looking at people who have had craniotomies, yeah. and I applaud them for what they've been through. But it's frightening. Yeah. It really is frightening. It sounds frightening. It never goes away, does it? It's like you say, it's a gift that just keeps giving. Keeps giving. And nobody wants to join the club. <laughs> and nobody wants who are in the club want people to join the club. Yeah. Uh, no, your name's not down, you're not coming in, that kind of thing. You know? yeah. Please don't come. It's really weird, I don't know how you guys got on, but when in the uh, the cancer centre, the, the cure, they been in the reception room, the waiting room, full of everyone, and you know exactly why they're there for. And it's a really weird position to be in. It's a strange group to be part of. Yeah. And then there's survival group. Well, I well, yeah. Well, but, uh, I, 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 I watch someone pass and get ill and get thinner and thinner and they eventually die. You sit there, but I do. I'll sit there and think, well, there's a slight guilt about surviving. Survivors get you, yeah. Right. Because I look at some people and think, yeah, they shouldn't have had that, especially kids. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, yeah. And I, I wasn't that grateful for surviving as far as I was concerned. Because in the first few years after the operation, and God knows, all I could do was moan about the way I had to live with a bag on and leaks and God knows what, and this, that and the other. I wasn't showing any happiness about yeah. survival. Yeah. Then I'd see someone die of it. And then you get guilty. Life doesn't seem to give you anything back to be happy about. Yeah. You, your life has changed totally. You've got a new life. You've got to learn how to live this new life. You've got to learn that you've not got no money. You're not going to get any money. You're not going to get another job. I've tried, I went out and tried a little bit here and there, but I ain't got the energy to do a job, a proper job. It is, well, it's huge. Yeah. John, but, I saw you nodding your head there, yeah. like, you recognise I would, that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to go on. I'm nearly 80. I'll give that a wrong time again. But, I want uh, money, I'll do that, all. I wish. <laughs> I want you to just take my mind off my mind. <coughs> they don't even class this as a disability. Wow. Yeah. No. I can't get pip and things like that because having a bag on your side is not a disability. I would like them to wear one for a week. I was yeah, thinking about really what you said about the uh, centre where you had the chemo. I found the people there was all quite positive. They'd all, most of them got used to the idea they'd go in. Yeah. And then when it comes to the end, they didn't go anymore. My missus threw a wobbler because she says it's like Nobody cares anymore. Nobody's watching you. Yeah. In fact, she'd come here to a meeting when there were lots of couples where one of them had got it. Yeah. And I never heard her talk so much. But I tell you what, it did her a power of good. Yeah. And that's what caused me to come to this. Yeah. So there's something you've said there. This period of time after you've finished your treatment as stands, yeah. um, that you're almost discharged and then there's no support there for you. You just 
left. But on the other hand, you, you, you don't want to keep taking bits off me. Yeah? You want them to discharge you. Yeah? You can't take much more off me. They've had six, <laughs> six organs from inside my body already. <laughs> it's a drastic uh, diet that you're on, isn't it? Yeah. Taking all these organs, bits and pieces out of you. Taking away, I don't mind. I can do with the losing weight. I wonder if maybe there's something about you do the physical fighting. Your body does mm -hmm. the physical fighting while you're going through surgeries and treatments, radiotherapy, chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. When that comes to an end, there's all the mental adjustment to everything that's yeah. changed and shifted and what you've been through. And that's what you left yeah. on your own with. Mind's been accelerated, the mental sort of things. These guys are, they're all mellow, but mind's been accelerated. Tell me about that. I've got a lot of mental health anxiety issues that have been steadily eroded by the health issues as well. Yeah. So I've got to the stage where I say, now, I don't care if it's going to get me, get me, take me. I don't care. You know, I'm defeatist now. I just can't be bothered getting to my knees, let alone to my feet. I just mm. what more can happen? Well, some good things could happen. I could win a lottery. Yeah. Well, money. I mean, I say this, I'd love to win some money. I'd love to have a lot of money. But now, life can get better. In what ways, Kirk? Going forward. The only time life doesn't get better better is if you're looking backwards. If you keep looking at the past, you ain't got a future. You gotta go forward and look to that future. And if you don't, you won't find a better life. Yeah. It's not gonna come up and knock on your door and say, yeah, it's a better life for you. But if that future for me consists of somebody drilling a hole and not being able to remove the tumor and it grows back and kills me, what kind of future is that to look forward to? Well, you can get run over to my Okay. <laughs> I took that. Okay, yep. then the way, the way I dealt with that, because I've just had some operations for this bloody thing on my side, and I think, you go in, you go into the theatre where they put you out, and ultimately they talk to you about what's your favourite drink, all sorts of stupid oh, things. Yeah. One of the one bloke phoned out on the bike, because he was talking to me about bikes and all that, and then they put a mask over you, and that's it, next thing you're in the recovery ward. Yeah. So, like, even with your... That, that, that's how I think about the only man. I wouldn't fancy it either. It's fighting a bloody life out of me. But at the end of the day, if they're going to do it, they're good at what they do. They don't set off to fail, do they? No. And, and they'll no, put you out. And then, you'll call, if you don't come round, well, you don't come round. Being in the room with people who have had craniotomies mm. and how they've dealt with it and the um, complications that they've had through, yeah. uh, for no fault of their own, and... It's quality of life, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, yeah. they've yeah, adapted to it. Yeah, that's... But what co what quality of life is it? I mean, there's nobody, there's no guarantees yeah. of having an operation no, and you've no. been through it. Yeah, fine. Uh, but there's no guarantees of a quality of life, especially when someone says it, it will grow back and it'll be more aggressive and it will kill you. Yeah. And you think, well, there's only so many times I could go in through the same bloody <coughs> porthole. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put it on Velcro, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little hinge, be okay. I think yeah. what I'm hearing, Brian, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but actually it sounds for you that even though there's... It, thinking about a hope for the future is really hard to think about Isn't a future that, when there might, be, there might be a really poor quality of life. Yeah. 
think I feel guilty when I've been to my um, brain tumor support watching these people who have had craniotomies and I'm sitting there going, I ain't been there. Because with brain tumors, there's a division between low-grade tumors and high-grade tumors. You don't get any help if you've got low-grade tumors, yeah. medication-wise, and interest from your consultants. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, those people with higher-grade tumors need the support and help. I get that. But you can still die from a low-grade tumor, but you get no help whatsoever, and you're sort of the lowest to the low, you know, the class systems, and uh, you don't mean anything. Mm. That's wrong. That is, that's shockingly wrong. But there's some form of inevitability. It's going to get me, one way or another. Mm. I mean, I don't even know how long I've had it. They're kind of indifferent. Tell me how long I've had the tumour. Mm. Yeah, it might have been from birth. It might have been from the car crash I had, which left me with a brain injury anyway. A registrar once turned around and said, it's a simple operation. Now, how is any operation simple, let alone on the brain? Yeah. You know, what kind of, what does that instill in someone? Somebody, somebody telling me, it's a simple operation. Yeah. Really? It scares me. Yeah. I wonder if I'm deaf in that side there, because the last eight radiotherapies they had was on my brain. Yeah. And my missus said, what do you want to do that like? Because it's in your room. And he said, well, he says it's a 60% chance that the type of cancer you've got, it'll go to your brain. Yeah. And if we give you eight of these things, it reduces to a 30% chance, and I thought, flipping heck, I don't fancy a 30% chance, then I'm pretty sixty. So possibly, yeah. it could happen to me, I don't know, everything goes, I've got to get a headache because I don't even want it. My surgeon says to me, when he was explaining the radical cystop, cystop I can't even remember the name, <laughs> the operation, he said, no need to worry, I've done hundreds of these and I've only lost three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I can see that your way of coping with all of this, as you said earlier, is jovially, it's having humour. If not, I'll, I'll just end up in a dark place. Yeah. And I've been in a dark place. Yeah. And earlier on... Come with the light switches. Earlier on when you says, uh, you, yeah, I <laughs> you guys have got people around you who love and support you. Well, the early ages of your early period of your diagnosis and that, you haven't. Mm. You feel alone. So isolating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many people you've got around you to help you and loving people around you, you are alone. Mm -hmm. You sit there on your own. I could, at the time I could sit in a room full of people partying, I was alone. Mm. I was the only person <coughs> in that room. <coughs> We can say. Yeah. I was alone. So that loneliness, I think, affects most people who get cancer in the first mm -hmm. run-up and what yeah. goes on after that for a bit. Like I say, eight years later, I, I realised I wasn't alone. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, you, you weren't alone, you know, you're alone. Things. Yeah. I realised I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. So I had that to look back on but quickly start looking forward again because now it's, it's changed my life totally, cancer. Oh, it changed my attitude, yeah, changed what sort of person I am. I believe I'm a better person. Wow. If I hadn't got cancer, <coughs> my mum would be dead by then. Because I started looking after my mum and 
I found out she had a thyroid problem. She'd had it for over a year, and the doctors hadn't done nothing. I got that sorted out. And I do a shopping for her, and I do all. And I help other people. I come here. Yeah. My, as a person, cancer has made me better. Wow. Mm. You um, don't look at other people, don't you? You know. And you, uh, why do you do this? Uh, you know. What's this all about? Yeah. Why are you bothered? You don't realise people are, do you? Yeah. And we Did do you... get stuff out of it. And there's a, yeah. there are worse things, a lot worse things out there than, than cancer. Yeah. Cancer to some degree. The taxman? Is a chance. <laughs> is a chance to cure it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like motor neurons and oh, things like yeah. that. And you, yeah. you appreciate other people and you tend MS. to listen to them. Yeah, MS. Wow. Yeah. No, it's a, it is a lot worse, really. Yeah. Kids? I mean, with cancer. Like, kids with cancer. Are, uh, it's just not fair. Just. Uh, yeah. That's what I get me, me survivor guilt when I see a child. Yeah. So even though you guys have been through horrendous treatment and different things, you still got an ability to look at others and, and say, actually, they're in a worse <coughs> position. Yeah. I used to do some voluntary work with uh, autistic kids and I was giving something back and it took my mind off my, my mind. If I could help others, yeah. I would do that. Mm. I'd much rather do that. Yeah. Lots of people, lots of people tend to say, why me, you know? And, and to be fair, I thought, why not me? Yeah. I'm a fairly positive person. If anybody's going to deal with this, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Whereas some people, they've got no chance. What helps you, or what has helped you, through your personal sort of cancer journey? The support group, certainly here, these guys have been brilliant. They listen to me waffling on and poor woe is me. And the best thing I was doing, I had, was the advice. A friend of mine saw the TV program, the Alan Tipmaster, and, yeah. and they said, "Look, well, get in touch." And that was the best bit of advice I had. Yes, I've been to prostate cancer support group and I've been to brain tumor support group with the others, but I've got more. Out of coming here, mm. and I'm not being sycophantic. I genuinely have got more support from you guys that are within here than I've got elsewhere. I've got no family support. Mm. Um, I live through on my own. Yeah. It's only me and my dog. <laughs> I, I've adopted you guys as um, <laughs> uh, friends and support. Uh, so, from my point of view. Coming here was is the best thing that's happened. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think I'll go with that room. Because I was walking down the road after I'd been diagnosed and I knew roughly where I was going with the operation and what was gonna happen. And our paddy's down the bottom when he first opened. Mm -hmm. There was a big side opening. Mm -hmm. So I walk it, walked in and I met George. And that was it. Everything started to get easier. She sorted all my claims out. I haven't bothered trying to make any claims for sick pain, because I'm dyslexic and I hate forms. Yeah. But Georgina took over it all. I think I was the first one through the doors. Really? Yeah. Uh, she took over it all and sorted me out. I, she actually taught me into sharing more with my missus. Because I wasn't, I wasn't sharing how I felt with anybody. Mm. Like I said, I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and doing me crying. Yeah. But yeah, coming here probably is to me because I've eight years of coming here. <laughs>
Amazing. Indirectly. Yeah. And that's why I'm here now. Because really, I'm, I, I suppose I don't really need my job. Except for if you give me a job paying at least 600 quid a week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you're passing on your knowledge now yeah, to yeah. I'm newbies, if you wish, <coughs> that are going through things. Yeah. And that's invaluable, well, that's, which is the whole point of the support of yeah. our parents. Yeah, to utilise other people's yeah. uh, areas of expertise. And yours is because you've been there, so you've done it, got the T-shirt, yeah. scars, and God knows what. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was thinking a couple of weeks ago, you know, about uh, this is this is the first time we've had this group, and yeah, this one. And I thought maybe when it's finished, if they do another one, I ought to go to that one uh -huh. for exactly that reason, yeah. because people that you're talking about can sort of listen to me because I've had it. That's right. You know, you can be as sympathetic as you like. That's right. But yeah. you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it is you get like, but it's, I can talk to these fellas. Yeah. It's a strange group, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sort of. Well, it did. But I had it, I used to love meeting survivors. Yeah. That's that's why I come here now, because I've survived for eight years. Yeah. We know that you might not be totally surviving, you might be round the corner again. But that goes for everybody I meet, even people who haven't had cancer yet. Yeah, yeah. One in two. Yeah. Sorry. One in two. So, you know, it, it's all around us. Yeah. You know, people, I met people when I first got, got it who were scared of the word. Yeah. You'd say cancer to them, you could say, <gasps> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I used right. the word more in the first year, two yeah. years, than I could have believed. People say, You're right, okay, you do not have cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I was still people riding, getting fed up I was still riding my bike most of the time, you know. <laughs> I had a real good mate that was the first bloke I ever trained. <laughs> and he says to me one Saturday, we was on a car park, yeah. on our bikes, and he said, you're amazing, you are. He how do you just carry on like that? I said, it's only cancer, you know. Because <laughs> 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 yeah. you're, you're, I'm going to stop riding my piggy and bike. I've had to stop riding because I can't get it on the side of your stand now and it's too heavy. And <laughs> you guys, your mindset, your attitude is refreshing. No, I can't possibly know what it's like to be in the club that no one wants to be in. I can't possibly know. You certainly won't from the prostate cancer point of view. Well, no, absolutely <laughs> not. But I, I, I cannot know what it's like for you guys. So thank you so much for just sharing some of your story with me and helping me understand more about what it's like to be in this if infamous look, if club. If you look the weeks we've been coming, when we first thought we were what? Quiet, weren't we? We were quiet. <laughs> away, wasn't it? But now we're. <laughs> Thanks for listening in on that podcast. I wonder if any of what was shared resonated with you. Perhaps you have fears too. Perhaps you're fearful of your own health and of cancer. These guys talked about the worry about their quality of life and, and even some survivor's guilt that they're still alive when others have lost their life. And, and as you'll, you will have heard, there's definite positivity and humour used by these guys uh, as they shared their experiences together. I think it's also, you know, important to just highlight that it's okay for a man not to be okay. It's okay for a man to reach out and, and talk. It's okay for a man to share their feelings. I think as a society, you know, it's almost formed a habit of how men should behave. 
and men are human too. So, you know, we thank those guys for sharing their real experiences and we hope that it will help you. For any man that's going through cancer, either as a patient or as a relative or as a carer, we have so much support here at Help Harry Help Others from one-to-one sessions where you can talk um, and share what's happening and what's going through your mind to our informal Men Matters groups with a, a listener who facilitates the group. We're here for you and whatever you are able to share and bring and what help, you know, that's okay too. So for more information, please take a look and visit our website, which is www.hhho.org.uk or give us a call on 0121 783 5407. The kettle is always on and uh, we're always here to listen. <laughs>